0: Gaming NBS, episode 180, coming to you Wednesday, February 28th, 2018.
1: Welcome to Gaming NBS, Tabletop RPG Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to our listeners. Glad to have you all back on board. Who? I'll tell you, man, my wife's out of town. She's in she's Vegas. She's in Vegas, baby. Yeah, with well, a bunch of her friends. Woo! And, uh, so I'm like single dad for five days, and it's 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 doable. I can, I can do she's this. She's doing the female version of the hangover. I doubt it. That's, <laughs> that's not my wife. Those crazy women. That's not Susan. I know, I, I, I know some ladies who would be like that, but that's not my wife. <laughs> I've seen some of the Well, she sent me pictures and stuff like, oh, we're doing this, we're doing that. I'm like, oh, looks like she's having fun. I have no desire ever to go to Vegas. That doesn't interest me You've never me been all. there? No, don't want to go either. Don't care. Man,
0: I got married there. Well, yeah, that's right. I got married I'm there. I've been there. I've been there. I've been there like five times.
1: Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, aren't you just a big jet-setting, go-getting guy? High roller, I am not. <laughs> I think she said herself. I can't remember what her gambling limit was. I'm like, hey, how'd that go? She goes, yeah, it's gone. Like, okay. <laughs> 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 she has the same luck as I do. If you, you sit down and gamble, I might as well just give my money directly to whomever and say thank you very much and uh, walk away.
0: I was listening to the Joe Rogan podcast earlier, and mm-hmm. he was taught, he was, I don't remember the guest on there, was another fellow comedian. And they were bringing up something like working hard and people slaving away and stuff like that and one of the scenarios that the comedian came up with was there was a guy that knew somebody that knew somebody that worked a restaurant. He worked a restaurant for like eight years and saved up a bunch of money and went to Vegas and blew it in like two days. Yeah, I can see that. Eight years of saving up as like a waiter. Wow. Two days, man. Holy shit.
1: I watched a episode one time on High Rollers years ago. <clears throat> totally sidetracked. but gambling's gaming, so therefore it kind of fits. Um, Sorry, and this guy, he was uh, immigrated directly from Greece. When he got here, he got to Vegas and decided he wanted to be a gambler. God. Taught himself English, figured it out, and uh, he was at the Horseshoe down there. And at one point, the pit boss at up to him and asked him if he would kindly cash out his hundred thousand dollars chips because he had all of them, all of them from the from the casino. Well, he won. He won. Yes, and he does this all the time. He wins and rides high for like a month, and then busts out completely, like dead broke, nothing, and then battles his way back. And they're interviewing this guy, and he loves it. It's like the best high for him. Oh God, I'm like you know the closest thing I get is a zero level funnel man. That's cool for me. <laughs> like I'd rather vicariously have that kind of boom and bust. Give give me four plebes in a DCC game, and I'll I'll you know. I'll ride them all like I stole them and we'll see who I end up with at the end. You know, that's a lot more entertaining for me than throwing actual literal cash out like that. But anyway, it's been fun. My two little kids and I are having a good time. The dogs are going a little crazy. My wife's little dog keeps going to the window, looking for her, then going to the bedroom, going downstairs, walking around and just staring at me like, dude, what a. Fuck his mom. <laughs> the big dog, my boy, Jack. My boxer's like, whatever. She'll come back. Little guy, yeah, he's still a little hyper. Anyway. She, she went to Vegas. She did. She's not coming back. Mommy found she's a not, new dog. That's what coming Mommy found a new dog. She doesn't love you anymore. <laughs> That'd be terrible. Anyway. <laughs> so speaking of gambling, and oh, my God. Sean and I both got in on the uh, Midderlands Expanded Kickstarter. <laughs> Glen Seal, Monkey Blood Designs. Gambling. And we're both like. What a lead in. It is. I mean, well, it was a long way to go to get there. I couldn't figure out how to do it. Anyway, um, Monkey Blood, friend of the show, nice guy. <clears throat> he does a lot of really good work. Love his stuff. And I missed out on the first Midlands, and I'm like, ah, damn it. I should get in on that. If he does another one, he said he's going to do another one. I'll, I'll see what happens. And I see it, boom, I jump on it. And um, Sean's in on it. We both adjusted pledges a couple times. He was close, so close, so close, so close. And then finally, in the closing... Like twenty hours or thirty hours or something like that. He he crept over the limit, so it's funded. So awesome! <laughs> so now I'm gonna get some really cool shit. So I'm really really happy. This is one of the few Kickstarter's that I got in on the uh, on the Matt Colville Strongholds one, and I'm like, well, that's like a million and a half dollars or something. Fine. I I mean that's interesting in and of itself, but I honestly think. I was more, emo- I'm more emotionally invested in this Midterlands expansion than I even was in, um, in Invisible Sun. I mean, Invisible Sun was a big dollar amount for me, you know, to, th- to throw out there for a Kickstarter. But I'm like, oh, man, I really want Glenn to get this. I really want it. Come on, Monkey Blood. You got this, brother. And boom, it kicked. I was like, I was watching that thing probably as often as he was. So anyway, congrats, man. I'm really glad that, that worked out for you. That's awesome. I'm glad to help. Sean's excited, too. I am excited. He's been old school. He's been jones for the old school stuff. I kind of am. Which means, at GaryCon, we've got opportunity to old school it up. That's true. And I do think I need another copy of Swords and Wizardry. I have the one uh, Kickstarter that the, that they put out where they had the all-female layout and artist and so forth, which is a really cool one. But I think I want the Earl Otis cover as well. And the book <laughs> is not that expensive. And it's always good to have a second hardcover for a play copy or one else I have at the table. So yeah. But we're still going to get to uh GaryCon. Still planning to be there. All things are all systems are still go. I figure if I let my wife go to Vegas, least I can do is I can get to go to a gaming convention, right? So there
0: you have the it. That's true, yeah.
1: Like it's. Sean, like, have you built up enough? Have you built up enough spousal cred that you can oh. make it? <laughs> that that was that was my spousal cred build up. My hey, I'm going to be gone for four days. Is this okay? Yeah. Here we my go.
0: fear is my dog. My dog's on oh, meds, right. and I am the only one that pills him three times a day, and so my wife gets freaked out when I pill him because he looks like he's struggling. Right? He's like squirming around, and yeah. doesn't want him in it You know, doesn't want my fingers in his mouth, and so we'll see. I don't.
1: Well, when you do that to me, I'm not fond of it either. So. I'll have to bring the dog with me. Hey, boy, go to a, <laughs> go to an RPG con. You could just slap a uh, fake support a blind. Just get a fake cane, act like you're blind. It'll be fine. No, don't do that. That'd be no. rude. Service dog. Yeah, I don't do that. Service dog. He is not. <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> no. All right, that's enough of that stuff. Yeah. Let's get. Let's actually talk about some real gaming here, man. Let's right. do it. <laughs>
0: Encounter of randomness.
1: Yes. You want to start out? I'll let you start out. I did too much giggling and babbling there. You go.
0: Matt Cyberly emails us as a follow-up to episode 178. Hey, BS. Just got done with episode 178. Wanted to say thanks for giving my email regarding immersion so much attention. At the end of the episode, you asked me to let you know if you'd covered my question completely. In 2018... Sean is no longer using the phrase, so I'll take up the mantle and have to say, it depends. <laughs> yeah. Brett's comments regarding removing distractions made a lot of sense, as anything that aids player involvement will definitely aid immersion. These provide a good foundation for play, regardless of the level of immersion, and I'll definitely keep them in mind as I go forward. I am totally with Sean as well with regards to the more artistic elements of gameplay. Role playing, narration of action, speaking as your character. These are things that, when other players use them, keep help, help keep me immersed. Where you can help a brother out is at a more basic level. I don't know if it's a new player thing or not, but I have difficulty keeping my brain able to visualize the scene, visualize the players and their actions, determine how my character would react, translate all of that into an action that fits within the game rules, Describe that action in a way which fits within all of the above. I'm okay at the last two, but the first three, uh, which he, I will reiterate, visualize the scene, visualize the players and the actions, and determine how my character would react, especially when combined with real-time aspect of gameplay can produce what scientists refer to as, quote, hot fucking mess.
1: <laughs> well, that is a scientific term.
0: I'm sure there are some uh, basic techniques to improve these abilities, but I can't seem to find them. I've tried researching basic acting, role-play, and improv without any real success, so if you have any direct advice or resources that might help, I'd really appreciate it. Matt Cyberlich, or just Expatriate Scani.
1: (laughs) All right, Matt. Um, For visualize the scene, visualize players' and actions, and determine how your character would react. Here's a thing I have done. When I find myself... Not paying attention, (laughs) accidentally or on purpose. I will be like, all right, hang on a second. So this is what I see. And then I will verbally say out loud to everybody. So Chris's guy's doing this. John's over there. Okay, what, what, what were you doing? Okay, yeah, Steph's there. This is there. So I will do, it's basically a mini GM thing where I will reiterate the stuff back and say, all right, so, God, if you're doing that, the best thing for me to do is X. Um, So the other piece, if you don't want to go around the table, you got four or five people playing, may not want to do that. But the other thing to do is tie your actions based off of somebody else. Listen to the group as your cue. If you're not in the lead, if you're not the lead person, especially if you're using an initiative-based thing, and if you're like me, you're never near the top of the initiative, you're always somewhere near the bottom because I roll like shit. Um... I can, I can say, I'm going to go after the fighter because my rogue, that's what he's going to do. And Sean's the fighter. He's punching the dude in the face. I'm like, that's awesome. I'm going to come up and flank and backstab. As simple as that. Um, but keying yourself off of the other players, using them as the, uh, the springboard, could be helpful in that regard. Sean, you got anything? I guess it depends on what player you're, what kind
0: of character you're playing, too.
1: That's true. No, it absolutely does. That's a good point.
0: So if you are playing Fightor, then you could just simply say, I want to, uh, where's the biggest, baddest NPC, big, bad, evil person, and I want to go out and smash their face. So maybe everything else is really irrelevant, but that's what you want to do.
1: Um, well, even if you're that guy, say you're a face-punchy dude, and you're like, well, I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm going to stay by the cleric and like, look, I, I buddy up to another player character, protect the wizard, um, you know, make sure the diplomat doesn't get shot in the gunfight. Just act as bodyguard, whatever. But it's similar to, you know, just my idea of tying yourself to another character because then you've got something to that you have to stay connected to in a way, because if you don't, you're not going to have anything to do. Yeah, you don't agree with me, do you? I agree. You do? Uh, I guess.
0: <laughs> I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> oh, what, what, where, oh, what were you where, saying, Brett? I, nice. I, where's the? What's the biggest baddest guy? God, I hate this. I hate this guy. I go and smash his face. There you go. Or her
1: face. So Matt, let, let me know if my ideas were of any use. <laughs> or Sean. You one. know, one way around
0: um, it is just to get rid of theater of the mind and just put minis on the table. Or you on actually, that's map. not a.
1: That's not a bad idea either. Really. Because some, if you look at it, you had, then have a visual cue. Some people I know really, really like playing with minis. And that's one of the main reasons is because of the immersion component. Not just because they are love to be the tactician and work the angles and so on. Even when I'm playing with kids, I'll use a, kind of a brown butcher paper thing and just draw on it with a marker. There's no lines or hexes. It's just all vagaries for distance. But putting minis on there, as soon as you put out the monster mini and you put the PC minis out there and a bunch of orcs and an ogre, all the kids are paying attention. And the same thing works for big kids who are in their 40s and 30s or older. So that's a very good point, Sean. If miniatures would help, that's not bad. And if your crew is not using miniatures, if you're not the game master, and no one else around is using them, as goofy as it sounds, you could draw it out yourself just on a piece of paper or something along those lines. I have sketched out battle scenes before that I didn't understand when we were doing Theater of the Mind for myself and say, okay, so are you telling me it looks like this, and then present that to the game master, and they go, yeah, that's exactly what we're doing. And then (laughs) I've kind of kicking and screaming drug a few people into using battle mats through that (laughs) that technique before because it was getting so convoluted. That's a neat idea. I like that, Sean. I hadn't thought about that. Alright, Matt. So that may or may not be of any help. Hmm. If anybody else has any ideas here, Matt kind of listed out what he's looking for again, visualizing the scene players interactions and determining how his character would react if there's some other really cool ideas or better thoughts in there than what sean and i just had off the cuff share them and we'll make sure we get them out to matt all right <clears throat> ready sean yeah man are you sure you, are you with me today you look a little yeah man cool, i'm Tom. waiting right. dude right. right, a, just wait. a,
0: your turn your right. go
1: all right my go vc young Emailed less. Good day to my northern brothers, or some U.S. citizens referred to Canadians. My hat buddies. Wisconsin's above Illinois. Canadians above the U.S. Hats are above heads. You get it. All right. So, I found myself in a bit of a pickle as of late. You see, you guys had a nice thing going for you. You on Tuesdays, and then someone moved it to Wednesdays, which would be Sean. Totally throws my writing to your schedule overboard. Thanks, Sean. Seriously, though. hey, Hey.
0: Hey. You're welcome. Oh. Hey.
1: VC, S- sucker! <laughs> you're, wel- you're welcome. You're <laughs> welcome. All right, he goes on. Seriously, though, I love you guys and the show moving in extra days actually rounded out my weekly podcast listening. We did it for you, VC. We knew, we See? knew, we knew you'd come around. We knew. We're like Steve
0: around. Jobs, man. We know what you need. You just don't know it.
1: Not yet. Until you have it. That's right. Yes, we're, we're, the, iPod, we're the iPad of, ga- of, 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 of gaming podcasts. <laughs> No one knows they want one until they see it. Uh, That's right. The downside uh, to this move, though, is that now, when I have feedback, I get distracted with work or household related business as Wednesdays are one of my more busy days. So all my constructive criticisms will get lost in the work desk of productivity. However, this week is different because I tweeted this semi uh, complaint to your Twitter, and now a little birdie has reminded me of this. So I'm writing you today to give you my feedback. <laughs> A few of the past episodes, so let's see where he's got. Episode 176, Sanity. First start off, in regards to Brett's comments and to Jared Rasher, Damn right! Your game, your rules. (laughs) That's awesome. Really, though, uh, I do get the idea of altering a game to fit your needs has a limit, and that you should, in theory, play a game that does what you want. But sometimes, Brett's game might be the better game in the long run. One of the more fun aspects of RPGs is that it's a shared gaming experience that we can make together. Hell, sometimes it's really fun to throw new rules and see how they work throughout your games. Hell, you see this every day in the indie gaming market. The only difference between two games might be one uses a deck of cards to tell you what you get as a reward, and the other does not. Going off what you guys said about Sandy, now I have to agree with Brett, but I uh, also Sean can't let this uh, can't let this you know go go over his head now, can not we? <clears throat> you're the Kelly, of course. Uh, Brett, I agree that if you're using Sandy rules, the effect of your Having your, <clears throat> The effect of having your sanity break should fit the cause. When I run a horror game, see episode 60, he thinks? Um, I think it was one you read my comments on. I uh, used the Sandy rules for D20 Modern. It was great. had a player who ended up eating a corpse because a sanity broke, and he, in-game, was starving. As well as a burger, by uh, any other name. <laughs> Cannibalism. Always fun. In-games. In-games. But also, I agree with Sean, not telling the player... The characters going down Looney bin lane is great for role play and brings an element of chaos to the game that makes it fun. Having a player who keeps seeing something that's not there, having conversations with things that are not there, that others can't interact with uh, because it's not real, sounds really fun. It's not just limited to modern games either. The, D th- <clears throat> the D&D 3.5 era, Blizzard Entertainment released some Warcraft D&D books that talk about sanity and how a world with magic would affect someone who went insane. Maybe magic could cure you, but when you have multiple personality disorder, one of your personalities might not get cured. Or maybe the wrong one does. Maybe instead you develop an addiction to magic, specifically necromancy. How would you tell your friends how you deal with that situation? The rules are interesting to read, to say the least. So, as always, thanks for touching on the sensitivity issue. There are people who do not want to be reminded of their mental problems during their fun time. Uh, There are others, like Brett and myself, who are heavily jaded that exploring these issues is fun. Thanks for uh, reminding people that's an important issue in gaming that we should be aware of it. Lastly, for episode 176, <clears throat> seriously play Shadows of the Demon Lord. Or if you like, I could run a game of Game hold Con for you guys. Whatever works.
0: Oh, well, there we go.
1: <clears throat> I think that, I think we've got <laughs> the answer.
0: There we go. He's going to run a game of Shadows of the Demon Lord for us.
1: We got scheduled November, first week. There weekend. we go. Yeah, sounds Done.
0: good. Yep.
1: <clears throat> All right, next up, he hits on episode 177, Adversarial GM. Don't you mean Game Mastering? Ah, ha, 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 First off, James Carruthers, I respectfully disagree. Brett did not go over the edge in episode 176. He went over the edge at Gamehole Con, where he, as the GM of the Zavalon game, described and demonstrated a monster kicking a hidden door open. Brett was wearing a kilt. Let that sink in for a minute. Then came back to talk to me about Brett's over-the-edge levels. That's true. I did. Uh, I did the kick the door in motion while wearing a kilt in front of my players. Whoa. Yeah. It was Twi- it was twigs it was. and berries everywhere. No, no, on. no. It was fine. It was
0: fine. It was fine. Tidy whities No, no, no. Nothing like that.
1: If you wear underwear, it's a skirt. So
0: <laughs> that's true. Let's that just let's true. just say
1: nothing was nothing nothing was revealed. But I think I think the fear of revelation caused the eyes to be averted. It's so fatal. Anyhow. It's fatal
0: attraction. The RPG version.
1: Yeah. Yes. My yeah. Anyway. Uh, Next alpha gamer, as Brett defined it, is what I always know the term to mean as well. The player who goes above and beyond and can be counted on by the GM to be a resource for the other players is an alpha gamer. The negative connotation of the word I think is subjective to the person people you're talking about in their culture. It's kind of uh, like different dialects and slang terms. Here in Chicagoland area, I know a lot of people who say soda in reference to a carbonated drink like Dr. Pepper, but also use the word pop. It's the same thing, just two different words. I also a Friend from my youth who refers to soda as a glass of bubbles, which a lot of people think he's drinking champagne. The best phrase I've heard uh, from this was a sociology professor in college. East coast and west coast words tend to meet us in the middle at the ponds where they end up mixing together. So again, just make so just make clear, make sure you're clear as to what people are asking for. <clears throat> Good lord, he's got a long one here. Third, I respectfully disagree with yours and Randy Farmer's definitions of adversarial to a degree. My reasoning for this is because the definition changes from person to person and group to group. Let's take Brett's ogre example. The only friendly example of an ogre I have heard of is Shrek. (laughs) He was an asshat for the majority of the movie anyways. Most of the fantasy and most of mythology does not paint ogres as good friendly flower pickers. Most of the time, ogres are portrayed as large, dumb, garbage disposals with an appetite and a club. It does not matter uh, the game I'm playing. Pathfinder Fate, Shadows of the Demon Lord. If I hear Ogre, I'm on guard. Even if it offers me tea and a cookie. You should not have to be told the thing is twice your size, smells like rotting something, is looking at you with hungry eyes, drooling. It's not your friend, and and you're probably on the menu. Now, everything I just described, I'm sure, would upset someone in the game. It doesn't in Brett's group, and I know it doesn't mine. If I were to tell the group that the Ogres had some secret about them, like, every time you hit vomit, it vomits acid. I've actually done that. Um, they would get angry at me for telling them the secret. The players are always wanting to know. They want to explore and learn about the monsters and the world. They don't want, nor do they feel they need to have me <clears throat> hold their hand and say, Okay, guys, this large creature is standing in the middle of the town, eating people. is not your friend, and he's going to throw a corpse at you. If you get too close, so don't get any closer than 10 feet. Oh, and uh, is that adversarial? I am, I'm sure to one of the listeners out there, yes, very much so, but to my group of friends, it is not. I think they have the same mentality about the games I, <clears throat> the games I run uh, as many OSR adventure cre- cre- creatures had back in the day. The adventure was not meant to kill the party. It's meant to test your creativity. The the world's largest dungeon, The Borrow of the Forgotten King, Tomb of Horror, these were our tools to get people to think outside the box and use their tools, their characters, in creative ways. You can see a strange hole in the mouth the demon, Sean. You know that key you need is in the demon's mouth, but you can't see in the mouth or even get a light source. Do you stick your soft, fleshy arm appendage in there? No. Brett, I use my 10-foot pole and poke in there to see what might happen because I like my fleshy appendage. Pole gets eaten by trap. Sean pulls out his new 2-foot pole. Sean holds right arm with a look of sadness, whispers softly, I love you, arm appendage. I like that. That reminds me of a Zim episode. I love you, cold and feeling, robot arm. Anyway. I, he continues, I do understand the other side of the coin. I've been there, but I've always enjoyed the exploring and learning aspect of the games I've been in. To me, it's like solving a large puzzle, and everything you learn along the way is filling in the puzzle that is the game. In that respect, I agree with both of you. There's a limit. I don't know about you, but I know how I, <clears throat> how I feel if I'm a little bit hungry. If I if I go a day without eating in real life, I feel like shit. In a game, I'm probably going to be <laughs> eating my fellow PCs. Just saying, I know what hunger is and what it feels like. It's not a mysterious sensation that I dislike that and confounds me, unless I was warforged or construct made of flesh. That might be a cool story. Anyway, I get his point there, Sean. The point is, you know, it's it, my idea. The idea of you know it when you see it is one of those things that's kind of natural in some of those cases. Before I go on, Sean, you get any points or counterpoints you want <laughs> to throw in there? No, no. It's a long one, man. You know yeah, what? he's doing like five episodes. I know. I'm gonna tap. I'm gonna tag you in. Go. Right.
0: Emerge, episode 178. He continues immersion in games. Blake, I think, said it best on his comments on adversarial jamming. Balance is key. Sky, I agree with, except the Earth an- Angel idea. If we, if we're comparing game styles, to song Brett's more like the song Renegade, while everyone else is more bad company. Sean is always Johnny B. Good. Ha ha. <laughs> oh, God. Episode 179, Energy. I'm going to start off saying that most of my comments for episode 178 also tie into episode 179. Is for me and most that I game with. These two subjects go hand in hand and act as a kind of battery for our games. Now, first off, uh, stands up clapping. That's the shit I'm talking about, Mongrel. <laughs> So, Players. somebody's going to be listening to this, like, f- trying to figure out where all these references tie to. And- well, the
1: nice thing is, is he names the episodes. So, that's episode that's 179, true. Energy. Boom. That's true. Yes. Grab it, listen to it. Yeah, go He's, back. This is a back catalog. Oh, I wonder what it that is. totally is. This is Archaeological Dig in the last five episodes. When you Jesus hear Christ. this, you're like, "What the hell is that?" Go We're going to be on
0: episode 400, and somebody's going to listen to this crap. I'm holy, like, holy cow! They got to go all the way back to like it's
1: 178. Good. It's good for them. Put hair in their chest? That's true. Keep going.
0: Actually, that that whole example was bad of mine because they would be listening to this, and it only goes back three or four or five episodes. Anyways, <laughs> all right. Now, energy for game and maintaining it for the game is a bit of a challenge. Usually, if you can get that spark from the beginning and slowly charge it up, you can hold it for the whole game. With my present Kingdom Builder game, I try to use immersion to feed the energy for the game. When we start every session, we go over five questions that I have posted to my players involving their character's life. Excuse me. These range from family history, cultural idea, manners, religion. Everything is open for the questions. The idea is to not only to get the players to think more of their characters as people and not just pieces of paper. We work on fleshing out who they are, where they came from, why they left, and some personal things about the characters. While they do that, I kick on my computer and start getting some mood music, sound going for them from mynoise.net. Are they starting in a forested area? I kick on some slight wind, some distant birds, the sounds of the trees rustling from the wind. Once again, once everyone has started their answers to the questions, I then ask one of them to recap the last game. Come to notice that there are two ways they are doing this now. The first is usually someone will jump on their phone or laptop, open up our digital notebook, OneNote for Microsoft, uh, which they all have access to, and they will read my review of the past game and or one of the players, usually one significant other, will read her uber-paranoid conspiracy theorist detailed notes. By the time they're done, they've had about 30 to 40 minutes of recap, character-refreshing, environment, saturation. So now they and I are in the zone of the same game, of some game. Or some game. Ha, ha, ha. The last bit of icing on the cake is I have started using a Benny system. I will reward them for clever thinking, problem-solving, and creative answers to the character questions, which they can use in a multitude of ways in the game and out of game. One player used two of his to make two NPCs in the game who have become the group's favorites. During the game, I try to make sure they stay in character. And even during conversation, I will refer to them by their character names, not real names. Usually if I have to say the real name, it means they're in trouble. Or if it's, it's a puzzle, I break character to present it to them in another way. I go so far as to even make character profiles for the key NPCs they interact with, and I have made different voices and everything for them so they know when they are talking to Guard Collins and Guard Charles, which one is responding based solely on how I'm responding. All these things helps jumpstart the game, and I keep it charged for the whole session. The online notebook helps too. Any maps or important locations that they travel to, any organizations they meet, any resources they obtain for the kingdom, they have a full-fledged reference at their 24-7 disposal. Man. However, this might be a precursor to episode 180. There have been a few times where the players turn into the problem. Adversarial players can suck the immersion right out of the game and just kill the energy. I have an issue with one player who thinks he can multitask Uh, We'll try to play a little game on his phone and answer questions about what's happening in game. This has led to one major fight that wasn't going to happen, but he insisted after getting his attention, he was attacking. He didn't know what, but he did, and a chase ensued. I have also run into, recently, an issue where a player is using a semi-meta perspective of me, the GM, to justify the character's actions. Brett, this is in regards to, to the Wax People conversation we had this past week.
1: Yeah, so he has these bizarre um, wax, fleshy things, uh, people. And um, he was private tweeting me, uh, messaging me, saying, hey, I've got a thing, what do you think? So we were going back and forth around this. Keep going.
0: Uh, He is using this idea that since I I commonly run horror, spooky, twisting games, that this game is no exception and that he wants to get a head up on me. However, this game, I have not done anything of that nature. No jump scares, no super death monsters. There was a spot of scare music in the beginning. That was it. So dealing with the next game will be interesting. All right, guys, I've rambled long enough, so I will close with these last few words. Thank you, Brett, for the advice on the above wax people. Your perspectives have been a great help. Sean, how would you like the year of the Kelly picture I made for you? Yes, that was very nice. That was was awesome. So if you haven't seen that... Yeah, he took the picture of me dressed up as Negan Deegan. from The Walking Dead and
1: added some flash to it. Little trains in the Little background. Pizzazz.
0: Oh, that's right. Yep. Uh, Brett, when are we going to see some Avalon? Frustrated grunting. Brett, did the map I sent you work for what you needed it? Thanks, guys, for doing what you do. Keep on doing what you do.
1: All right. VC, I do not have... A map. I think you're talking about the one that you sent, or that you were going to send for Evercon, I think. Maybe oh, you did. Some <clears throat> confusion about it. I think I responded to you. Somebody you is not paying attention to the game. No. Damn it. Now, I saw this coming. I'm like, where the fuck? Where did he send it? Where is it? Because I know he and I were talking about it. I don't know. And I can't find it, man. So I I'll tell don't... you what, VC, I'm going to dig through and see what I can find as soon as we're done recording here and find out what the hell. I'll get back to um, you. God damn it. Ever-
0: Holy be-jeepers. Thanks for writing in, VC. I hope you your games work out well.
1: Yes, you know I know sometimes we'll see a long response like this, and sometimes ah, oh, Christ, that's a long one. But on the flip side, I think Sean and I both agree that if somebody took the time to put together decent thoughts, perspectives, responses, and so forth, it's it's worth taking a look at. So thank you, VC. I think it's really cool. I yeah. appreciate. It. Mongrel and other guys who have written in some long ones, it's – I mean, anybody who writes in, quite frankly, even if it's a anything, it's really nice. It shows that actually somebody's listening and, and has something to say back to what we've done. So with the Avalon stuff, a quick little side note. Um, Sean Merwin is in the process of starting the editing of the book documentation. So I've got another discussion with the boys at Encoded. We're talking about timing. Um, they had a couple other projects drop on them, which kind of pushed mine. You, the back burner for the time being, but I think it's coming back to the front. What does that mean for time? I do not know yet. I will find out. And um, once I know, I will let you guys know. So thank you for asking, sir. All right. Abram Nothingale, email less. Nath Nagel. Nath Nagel? Oh, did I say? Oh, God, you I said totally... Nothingale before. I... No, said dyslexia. Oh, I just added an extra letter in there. Abram, how about that? Abram emailed us. <laughs> you know, I've got a last name that gets butchered all the time. It's just I just I should know better. I should Bart. I should know better. And my first name gets messed up too. I've been called Steve <laughs> before. Like I've told you that story. Steve. <laughs> yeah. Hi. You kinda look you kinda look like a Steve. Yeah, I totally look like a Steve. I, I don't yeah. even know what that means. You
0: kinda look like Steve Orlick, even though I don't know what Steve looks like. Not even Maybe? I don't know. You kinda look
1: like Colville, that's the problem. That's his name's Matt. It's not even Steve,
0: though. <laughs> no. Well, I call him Steve. <clears throat> you call him Steve?
1: <laughs> okay, so now that I've insulted Abram like for the 15th time... Abram, I'm really sorry, man. Anyway, introducing a new group to D&D. Hello, Gaming BS. I meant to send this email to you before, but tonight was my first real session GMing for a new role-playing group. I've been playing tabletop RPGs both as a game master and as a player so, uh, for close to a decade now. Whether it be Dungeons & Dragons, Grip, Shadowrun, 7C, or even entirely homebrew systems. However... This entire experience with role-playing has been with the same gaming group.
0: Ah.
1: I've been there, man. So we've grown and learned how to play together. Now, however, I'm running a game for my girlfriend and her friends. This will be a party of mostly girls with little to no prior experience with tabletop RPGs. So I was wondering if you guys could give me some advice for how I can make this experience enjoyable for them and really introduce them to the hobby properly. I know that you guys have covered this topic in general way before, but I was wondering if you had any advice for the specific situation. I'll fill you in on where the party stands now. All right. All right, Sean, what do we got? They've gone through character creation for first-level D&D 5e characters. The party consists of a paladin, rogue, cleric, wizard, and a bard. It's a damn good party. All right, um, sounds, <clears throat> sounds relatively balanced. I've asked them what kind of game they want to play, and the response I got was a high-fantasy adventure with mystery undertones and relic hunting. Hmm. I've been thinking of a loose Hmm. framework for a game with those thoughts in mind and started them at first level to help them learn how the game is played by building from the ground up. Do you guys have any suggestions for how I can make this game as positive of an experience as possible? Thanks, Abram. Well, I'll tell you right now, if you know what they mean by high fantasy and mystery undertones (laughs) and relic hunting, if you know what that means.
0: Well, I think the relic hunting is a no-brainer.
1: Should be. Absolutely should be. So my my statement is, if you know what those those things are and you absolutely are in alignment with the ladies you're running for, give it to them. It has to have high fantasy adventure. You need the mystery undertone and the relic hunting. You can easily have the relic hunting be part of the mysterious artifact or something you need to find um, and whatnot. High fantasy, it sounds like they're not looking for Brett's usual grim, dark, murder and cannibalism in the alleyways of Avalon. You need something... Bigger than that. <clears throat> so I think... It, it, as corny as that sounds, you know what those things are if you're totally keyed in on them. Even ladies you're running for, they get it, give them those things. A little bit, every session if you can. Right? Even if it's a clue towards the next relic they're after. Even if it's just a piece of the mystery. Or a new mystery has unfolded after the, the final one has been answered. But... um I think that is a key piece for me because they they were kind enough to tell you up front this is what we want, um, so there's no reason to give not to give that to them. Don't do a bait and switch for God's sakes! Don't do that to them because that will that will wreck everything. Sean, you got anything? I'm thinking here if there's anything else. We
0: would base it in Eberron, make them parts of Morgrave University, and have the the organization send them out to Zendrick to uncover relics while at the same time having some uh say uh double crosses occur cuz i think cuz high fantasy that's i in my opinion that's eberron i think and then um there's enough intrigue and action to go on in that world specifically uh there's so much meat and potatoes you can stick your teeth in and make happen in that world. I mean, you can do it yourself too. I mean, but
1: that's true from, up, from a, from a setting perspective from, I I do not know Eberron, but from everything you've described to me in the past, that definitely is dead on. Yeah.
0: It's, it's what it's built on is, is, uh, I mean, sh- shoot, even those guys that manifest zone and Christian Serrano, he, he made Savage Worlds do it because it just aligns better with the, the action oriented pulpy kind of feel that Eberron conveys. And, you can make a part of an organization and have them go on relic hunting expeditions.
1: Yep. And in the process, <clears throat> you've got the undertone of the mystery. Like, what? whoa, we found four bones from Dragon Kings. Four different Dragon Kings we've been able ha- forced to get or asked to fetch bones from these guys. Or, or this. What is that about? What's this about? No one wants to tell Oh, I'll tell you later. I mean, you can do all of those things. I think... <clears throat> The idea you have, regardless of the setting, if you don't want Eberron or you're like, ah, shit, I don't have it, I don't want to get into it, you can having it be mission based, right? It's almost the problem of the week type of thing, where they come in like, hey, here's the deal, almost X Filesy, if you remember X Files, Abram, where you come in and you've got a you've got a thing you're gonna go fix, solve, whatnot. In the background, there's the plot. That's kind of the mystery you kind of cooking in the background. So I think that's I think that's totally doable. But the other piece is as you gauge what they're into from a positive experience. If they're really digging the high fantasy adventure components and if the answer for them is beating the shit out of bad guys, they want to get to kill a dragon. They want to do they want to fight goblin hordes. They want to investigate nefarious drow activities. Wherever they go or wherever they start to show interest, I mean, serious interest, lean into that shit. Take your plot, whatever it is, and tweak it as necessary to go the direction they're going. Right? I mean, there's no reason that if you're like, well, you know, it's going to be all about the drow. And then it turns out they could give two shits about the drow. They've heard a story about the Githyanki, and I want to go after the Sons of Gith. Uh, Okay, I guess we're going over there now. That's totally fine. You know, or if they <clears throat> fuck all that and they want to go kill a dragon, as I said, that's fine too. Um, just wherever they want to go, kind of lean into that space. I've had really good luck doing that with anybody when I've played, when I've run a game for first-time players. When I see what they're really enjoying, give them more of that, at least for that session. And sometimes <clears throat> at the start of the next session, how'd that go? Yeah, that was fun. Boy, I'm really hoping we could do more of X. Soon though, because I'm kind of tired of killing dragons. Could we figure out something else? Yeah, totally. Here's something else. You know, constant feedback loop at the tail end would also be very helpful. Sean? Create an NPC,
0: make a player character part of that NPC's history, have that a long term bond, have the NPC send them on a mission to uncover an artifact, have the NPC convey the importance of the artifact have them find out that it's a lie or something isn't correct in what that trusted NPC has conveyed that gets them questioning what's going on mm-hmm. then when they return it somebody turns on them or they find out that they're being turned upon and that that major NPC is behind it for some reason it could be that NPC could be under duress or by pressure from another third party or maybe they're just they've changed their vision of the world that would they, be ni- their ideal,
1: right? They could be cursed. They could have a problem. They could, in the background, be portrayed as the head of a paladin order, but somewhere in the background their, their vision of the world is corrupted and right. they no longer think this. Or they're taking their paladinhood in a totally crazy-ass motherfucker way where they burn all the infidels approach. Yeah, which is find,
0: out the they're, find out they're serving the, the bads of the world. That you stand against, but they've chosen to join them for some reason. They just haven't conveyed it to you, and now you're doing the bad's dirty work through this trusted NPC.
1: Or like then you he... said, the NPC is under duress in, insofar as there's a mind flayer behind the scenes completely fucking with this with this person, man or woman. Yeah. And, or it's an evil wizard or a different cleric. Somebody's got, you know, the person you're working for, she tells you, look, I'm sorry, I'm really, really sorry, but they have my child. They have my husband. They've done this. If I don't do this, they're going to kill my family. I mean, that, it's a tropey thing, man, but it freaking works. Look, I didn't mean to betray you. I had no choice. The Mind Flayer made me, and then whatever. That that all works, too. But, yeah, I mean, if they dig that stuff, go in. I mean, yeah, we're talking you, high adventure have, here. You can pull out the have zombies, them,
0: have them. Have them hi, ha, hand over the relic, and then they find out they did just the, the worst thing they could do is hand it over. Now they have to get it
1: again. But at what cost? I like it. Right. All right, Abram. If that was of any use, let us know. <clears throat> if we totally missed the mark and you're already five sessions in and we <laughs> you tried it and, you, and we fucked up your game, I'm really sorry. But let us know if there was anything, any nuggets of wisdom in there. It is the year of the Kelly. There's random wisdom just falling out from this podcast at this point. So let us know what you find. Mirko Froilich
0: comments on G+. I'm still in the middle of listening to this episode, but wanted to leave a quick comment before I forget. You were joking about a player going through a difficult personal issue, such as a divorce, and messing with their character in-game. That reminded me of a hilarious hilarious, The IT Crowd episode, Season 4, Episode 1, where Roy was dumped by his girlfriend and Moss as the GM ran a D&D scene to give him closure. It's worth watching. On that note, I don't remember, but have you ever done an episode on RPGs and popular media? Not sure if this fits with the theme of your show, but it could be fun to have an episode on how our hobby is represented in TV, movies, etc. As that's what informs people outside the hobby's opinions, especially with recent popular shows as Stranger Things. It might even make sense to combine with this this with a larger topic, which you may or may not have covered already of how we're representing the hobby to non-gamers. For example, I tend to proudly out myself as a role-playing nerd when I chat with my team at work, but it would be interesting to see how everyone else approaches this. Apologies if you've already covered both. I might just have to restart episode one and work my way forward again. Yeah, it's
1: interesting. Well, I don't... We have not... We've kind of touched on it bits and pieces. Brett,
0: Brett doesn't keep up with pop culture, though. He doesn't watch TV.
1: He no, doesn't not watch really. movies. Not much. Although I did watch um, The Ritual. Oh, shit. The oh, new that's... movie. Yeah, but there's no thought. gaming in that. Uh, well, apparently you don't play Call of Cthulhu, but okay. It's awesome, inspirational. But it's not like, it's not like gaming, like we're talking about gaming.
0: Right. Like watching Community when they run a and d game.
1: Yeah, I don't care about that right, exactly so that said that would make it hard to be part of the regular show <laughs> but to what i have been told stranger things has a he hasn't even watched stranger things no i don't get the fuck
0: off my podcast bro. <laughs>
1: whatever dude
0: <laughs>
1: whatever <laughs> anyway from what i've been told by sean and others the way D D is portrayed on stranger things is actually fairly positive I don't know. I haven't seen. There it. isn't
0: there isn't a ton of it in there. I think there's just, I think a lot of people got in on the the. It starts off like that, so everybody's like, "Whoa, cool!" But it doesn't and portray there's them as a bunch
1: of stupid nerds and acting weird no. and playing into every fucked up trope about us. It doesn't no. do that.
0: No, and then there's and then there's references sprinkled even throughout season two. I
1: think the um.
0: The Stranger Tung- Things Stranger Things is better than. Have you watched the D and D movies, Brett?
1: Um, the D&D movies. Oh, like the, the really shitty ones that came yeah. out? Yeah. I saw, you watched I, I saw how many? all three of them. All three of them. I have over the years. And he hasn't watched Stranger Those, Things. I mean, that's old, man. Do you know what else I do with my time, like hanging with my kids? Watch it with them. There's,
0: I mean, well, Lana's old. I mean, she's mature enough. She could probably handle it. There's nothing really crappy, scary, I mean, it's Borderline Cthulhu creepy, but
1: yeah. So what I have to do is I have to watch it first, verify that it's well, acceptable, and then watch it again. For parents, it's at, yeah. it's the job, man. I knew that uh, job was true. dangerous when I signed up for it. Yeah. Anyway, the only thing that really torques me off in general when I see it portrayed, when I have seen it, or when people talk about it, like, oh yeah, boy, it's a bunch. Basically, it's a bunch of nerds, geeks, dweebs, blah. In the most tongue-in-cheek, poking fun at ourselves, that shit gets old to me if Stranger Things is do, is not doing that, then that's that's fun, right? I remember um, back in the X-Files days when you don't play D&D all those years without learning something about courage, right? That was in an X-Files episode. That statement. And uh, it's still, it was made by, it was made like making a joke of the thing. Like, uh-huh. And uh, that always torques me off.
0: <laughs> well, and I think,
1: I think, in
0: some art Yeah, I don't know. It all depends. Like, some people think that watching, um, God, blast it all. What's the one, uh, shit. Who's got Sheldon on there?
1: Oh, God. oh uh, Big Bang Theory? Yeah. I don't even watch it. See, here's the deal. You don't have to watch popular culture to understand what's going on in it. Just go on Facebook, hang out on Google+, Plus, check social media, and everyone will tell you everything you need to know. I don't well, e- I don't even true. need to know sh- I don't even need to see Marvel movies because everybody will fucking tell me what they're all about. Done. Moving on.
0: Well, okay. But <laughs> at the same time, some will say that um Big Bang Theory is 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 a bad representation of nerd culture i've
1: absolutely heard that yeah Yeah.
0: and then they get bent out of shape and then there's other nerds that love the damn show so i mean it's all you know it's to each their own but i do think some are worse than others Mm -hmm. um but i don't know man i just i find more normal people gaming every day like i don't understand where the stereotype comes i i mean i know where it originates but i don't know man i think it's just something that the 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 people that were that were of jockage back in the day would just lump us non- athletes into kind of a clump
1: well, I had some hardcore athlete guys who played with me in high school one of them w- <clears throat> refused to let anybody else around he was like terrified that the team would find out
0: right but that's my point yeah. he would be terrified that the point the the team would find out so I think it's more of these weird social click crap that happened 40 years ago 30 years ago and i think that's i think it's we've grown out of that yeah because it's just not high school anymore but at the
1: same time it's carried over i know you're open about gaming at work and other places I, i am i got a d20 on my desk i've got gaming stuff on my desk my boss is like you play that yes I have a D20 tattoo down my left leg. Really? Yeah, look. It's right. It's on my calf. Holy shit. Yeah, I'm not fucking kidding. <laughs> I do this. Oh, wow. You run a gaming convention. Yep. Really? And then later that week. So, how long have you been doing it? You've been doing it for a long time? Everybody <laughs> circles around. Everybody comes back. Yeah. yeah and mm-hmm. um, then people come out of the woodwork. Yeah, I had friends of mine who really did that. They really seemed to like it. I should try it sometime. These are 40 and 50 year old men and women telling me this. So. Yeah, they're
0: missing out, man. Are
1: they totally missing they're, out. They're totally. You've missed out. Like you, I feel bad for
0: some people that haven't, and they got other things that they enjoy. Don't get oh, me totally. wrong,
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: But I think there's some people that, man, if they just, it's, hey, man, it's Apple, it's Steve Jobs. If you knew, if I conveyed this to you, because you don't know, you don't like this.
1: Yeah. No, you don't. You haven't seen it yet.
0: If I were to put this in front of you, you would love it. That's the problem. A lot of people haven't had a take of. The, they haven't had a slice of the pie. They haven't. They haven't gotten the iPad that people would say that it wouldn't make any sense.
1: Interesting. I don't know. I guess well, there yeah. I, are there people. I don't. <laughs> I do not know anybody right now who is a gamer that hides it.
0: No um, one I, No one.
1: I, no one. I game with. I should say. None of my friends. None of my gamer friends. That I'm aware of, actively don't mention it. Right? If something comes up, what are you doing this week? I'm just hanging out with some friends of mine. I don't know about that, man. No one I know. If they're doing it, I don't know it. That, but you're hanging saying.
0: around. You're hanging around guys and gals that are in a particular circle. Like they, you. They probably share similar thoughts, right? They're like, yeah. But I know. I bet you. I. I. I don't doubt there's some that will not admit. They'll admit to me, like, "Hey, I used to game and play." Yeah, you know, when I was growing up. But they're not going to go to their boss and admit that that they, they play.
1: Like I said, I don't. If they're doing it, I don't know it because I don't see it. That's what I'm saying. Is I I distinctly remember in high school and college, people saying, "Yeah, boy, this is." Yeah, I'd never tell anybody I work with this. I would hear those statements. I don't hear that anymore. <clears throat> Whether that I got some I got some guys at work, and I, I work
0: at a place where all I mean it's all guys and one woman in our office, in my division, and they're all sports buffs. Mm -hmm. Like, to the extreme. And that's fine. Totally. But but I think I've piqued their curiosity because every once in a while they'd be like, hey, they'll bring up some reference or some geek reference, or they'll bring it up and they're not razzing me for it, right? Because they're kind of... They're coming to you
1: like the sage of the mountain. Could you explain this to me, Sean? I don't know what this one is. But the thing
0: that kills me is, you know, I get people that say they want to know And sometimes it's out of jest and sometimes it's out of like sincerity they'll ask me like oh you have a gaming convention does that mean you're going to be dressing up do you dress up
1: oh that's because cosplay makes the photographers happy
0: right well and the thing is is i probably dress up less than uh, than any i dress less in about the industry gaming dming wizardry all that like anything about cosplay I probably dress up less than they do as a sports fan. Oh hell yeah, dude! They put on their frickin' jersey and jump around a room about you know uh, and play fucking fantasy football. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah, oh I get it. I'm like, what? Like, okay. <laughs> yeah, but come on, man. Yeah, but no, did, it's, this it's is not...
1: weird. This is weird, really.
0: Yeah, right. Exactly. No, I don't dress up, but I know you do every Sunday. Yeah, like what the? <laughs> like, come on now.
1: I did say I have used that before. Well, you guys, like, dress up and stuff. I'm like, you have a room in your house dedicated to the Packers. Fuck off. Right, yeah. I mean, you've tr- painted your
0: house fucking
1: green and gold. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't do that shit. I don't mind your fandom, dude. Enjoy it. Get in on it. But when you're telling, when you're giving me the that's weird of you look. Right, man, that's right. Right in the eye. Stabs. Right. stab. stab. Right. Anyway. Right. Yeah. Interesting, Marco. I'm wondering, I don't know, it's kind of a, I don't know, it's odd. It's just, I think it depends who you are, what you're comfortable with, and where you're working. I work with a bunch of IT people, so if I bring it up, they're all aware of it. Like, oh yeah, blah blah blah. I know when I worked factory for three summers in my hometown, um, at 3M, slinging rock, digging, digging, <laughs> digging ditches, filling them in. It was not a lot of fun. It was hard, backbreaking type of work. A lot of the guys there just didn't care about it much. That it just wasn't a thing they were into. A couple guys were into reading and we'd talk about books and stuff, but it just, the the folks that work there, they, I, I didn't hide the fact that that's what I did, but it wasn't anything to start a conversation about. And no one was into it. But uh, interesting. So like, think, man. Yeah. Damn, Merkel, that was a good, that's an interesting perspective. Hmm. Yeah. All right, let's go on. All right, let's get to the main topic. We are going to be way long. Holy wow, shit. Way,
0: holy long. <laughs>
1: Antagonizing players. Adversarial.
0: I'm gonna love this
1: one. Not talking about antagonizing them, we're talking about players who are adversarial. Oh. So we talked about this and uh, other people have brought it up. A couple different listeners brought it up around adversarial players. Kind of the, the what is it and so on and so forth. So Sean, what would you when you when we we talked about adversarial GM, we got a lot of different feedback uh, even from, you know, the old school DM and how we Define it and so forth. Do you have a thought around this one as well?
0: Adversarial players?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to ask you to fill this time because I got to yell at my kids. You talk.
0: All right. Awesome.
1: Adversarial players. I would say. I'm almost done. You don't have to go that slow.
0: (laughs) It's like yelling at his kids from a distance as he's like waiting for me to finish this statement. I would just say it has to do with uh, players that are um, confrontational, maybe to in in a negative manner, uh, to be adverse to maybe what's going on at the table, and um, that's what, how I would define it. That Brett has not even heard how I defined it.
1: It sounds <laughs> awesome. I love it. Give me a recap. Give me two minutes. This so, <laughs> is well, so what happens when my wife's out. I'm like, what the fuck are they doing out there? I couldn't tell uh, if the dogs have eaten the couch or something or what happened. What the hell's going on in there? Yeah, so I just bounced them off the walls. No, I'm kidding. I <laughs> didn't do that. I'm not that kind of guy. You
0: have to re- re- remove that. All right, so
1: adversarial game master or adversarial players. <laughs> Shit, we're two episodes uh, back.
0: <laughs> God damn it. So I would say it has to do with a player that's probably confrontational and uh, adverse to kind of going along with the flow. Mm -hmm. Although, although I should uh, stipulate that role-playing games kind of empowers players to do their thing. But at the same time, you kind of have to together collaborate in a method that facilitates a story.
1: I have found (coughs) adversarial playing is basically tantamount to what's the problem player in your group adversarial players in my opinion have forged more adversarial gms than anything else when you have that player who is argumentative that player who's disruptive or whatever right right um i think the the thing that's interesting is well when you say that I'm agreeing with you, and and people say, well, that's like the person who makes the the loner character who wants nothing to do with anything. In session zero, they promised they wouldn't do that, and and all that stuff. <laughs> it comes in all shapes and sizes. You can be in the middle of a game, and you'll hear the constant cry of, well, that's just not how my character would do it, for whatever that is. Um, my wizard wouldn't do that. He's never been an asshole before. Why is he an asshole today? You know. <clears throat> but I think um, I think you're right, and. I believe that one of the, the things, it, it's infectious. It's weird, you know, because when that person is being essentially confrontational, I, I see it as adversarial playing, to me, usually pops up as confrontational to the game master. Well, that rule doesn't work like that. or that's not how that goes. Oh, well, I don't know if that makes any sense, you know, where they're, they're picking nits and so forth. And it's usually, in my opinion, done out-of-character, with the character the shield. So as soon as you come down on that person or the other players say, hey, Brett, X, Y, Z, then the immediate answer from Brett, well, well, well that's just how that's just my character, man, I guess, but I'll have to compromise my character concept if that's what you want me to do, you know, kind of thing. Every time I've witnessed adversarial players, the uh, the character sheet is the shield that's used to, <laughs> to be able to defend whatever it is that they're trying to get away with.
0: Well, I I also think it's repetitive and obvious
1: and not well, just a, not just a one I mean, band evening like hey Sean's yeah. Sean's Sean's out right. of it tonight and VC and right. Brad are like dude the fuck man even An- right. even Angela wants to kick your ass what's going on with you you know it, it may not be obvious let me let me I'll
0: put, I'll put that out there but it is um, <clears throat> deliberate I would say and over time. Uh, consistently deliberate. Yes. So even even if it's a, and we're not, what I'm trying to say is that it's not a, hey, that rule doesn't work like that, and you look it up and blah, blah, blah. It's that rule never works like that. Oh, no, by the way, the next rule you bring up doesn't work like that. And, oh, by the way, the next rule that you bring up doesn't work like that either. Now, if it gets to that point, you guys are probably playing two different games.
1: Yes. One is fun. The other one is <laughs> <laughs> the other one is some ass- wow. Well, one
0: is where somebody's playing the game and somebody like maybe Brett is like winging it and not going by the rules, which is not a bad thing necessarily. I'm just saying that it's just two different two people, on, two people on two different pages.
1: So I mean, we brought up everybody, and I should say everybody. We bring up session zero. Instructor Marquez. A lot of people have brought up the session zero thing. One of the reasons to do that is to level set as best you can. Like, hey, right. this is what we are, this is how we're gonna play, and so on. Right. And part it, that that's not that doesn't fix everything. And when I hear when I first heard about the adversarial players, my thought is it's kind of the the start of what could be the problem player, if it doesn't go away. Um if you have done the session zero, you can do the thing like, look, we talked about this. Everyone's care no one no one's supposed to make a chaotic character. Why are why are you chaotic evil of all things? I just thought it'd be more fun. We talked about this. No one was supposed to make an evil character. Why are you of evil alignment? And the game master's like, yeah, dude, you know, VC, man, you said you were supposed to, everyone was going to be neutral or good. Why did you do this? Is it integral to our story? No, no, I just thought evil would be more fun. Dude, no, you cannot do that. So I, I don't mind bringing up, and I have done this in the past. Look, the rules of the road were, which we all agreed to, X, Y, and Z. You're in violation of X, Y, and Z. <laughs> Fix it. Um, I don't, I, to me, letting it fester or grow, that's when it becomes the problem. If you don't fix it when you see it, if you don't take the time to address it, that's when feelings get more hurt and things get drawn out. And then you don't have one problem player, one, adver- one person who's being adversarial, not only to the game master but to the rest of the experience in itself. But now I'm creating pockets of, adver- of adversity throughout the room right where these two decide that they're fucking sick of his shit and these other two decide they're sick of her shit and then you get these weird little in-group schisms that can happen and game masters are trying to uh, negotiate and you know you tell Sean that I said oh for god's sake he's right across the table from you um <clears throat> that high school you kind of bullshit so my thought is when I see that when it first starts happening is I squish that stuff as fast as possible I do it as nicely as I can um I don't you know Threaten people right away. Usually it takes a little bit of time. Second time you can start threatening people. But no, seriously, The when I see it happen, it's like, okay, hang on a second. We talked about this, you know, either in session zero or the prep session, the character build. This is what we're going to do. We all agreed last session that this is what we're up to. What's the deal? And when someone has thrown their character sheet up and said, well, that's not what my character would do. Say, okay, do we need to have, um, maybe the characters need to uh, sit in the tavern a little bit longer and hash this out. And get your character on board. Um, you know, find an in-game solution or out-of-game solution or whatever. But for me, I have learned over my years of, like, trying to ignore it and hoping it goes away. The shit doesn't go away. Um, you need to address it. So, at least that's that's always worked for me. Worst case is, the person who I addressed it with no longer plays with me. And no one else cares. (laughs) Because the person was getting very adversarial and, um... It was not working. So hey, it didn't work out. You don't have to play with that person. You just don't. Sean, you're smirking you're smirking at me.
0: <laughs> yeah. I just I don't know. Adversarial jamming and then adversarial playing. Um I don't know. It's so funny. I think it's it's <laughs> it's one of
1: those things where you're like, I know it when I see it. Yeah, it totally it totally can be. You know, I think that... It's bad. I think it's it's not good. Well, it's just there
0: are certain mentalities that happen to occur at tables where, you know, um, that just don't jive. Yeah. You know,
1: there's a sense of wanting to win or there's a... Well, that's a big one, right? We talked about that with the GM thing is like <clears throat> my buddy John used to say, look, your job is to beat me. I am the game. Good luck, kind of thing. That was his approach. He told you that shit flat out, so you knew what you're up for. When you've explained to everybody flat out what this game is all about, and you've got somebody there who wants to win and beat the game, I want to beat D and D. I want to beat, you know, I want to beat Apocalypse World. The fuck, um, if that is what they're there for, that's when the adversarial nature seems to. Kind of poke its ugly head out now. If everybody at the table is supposed to win, right? Because that's what the that's what the game's all about. Whether it's a board game or whatever, you laid it out like, look, um, everything in this dungeon is going to kill you. Good luck, kids. I will pull no punches. I'm here to try to beat you. Okay, then, then you in turn playing back with you know punching back, if you will, it makes sense because the ground rules were set that that's how we're going to do it. But I really think as I said at the beginning that when guys I knew who had developed some really bad game master habits, developed them in as a reflex action or a safety mechanism from players, um, who are acting like that. Basically the bad player in the group, the person who's trying to win, the person who's trying to be smarter, better or whatever, the person who would, um, <clears throat> read the module, right? Cheating <laughs> the guys, guys who would cheat, you know, this adversarial approach, but almost every bad game master habit I've developed or I've watched developed around me from other GMs, it was all done in, uh, in hopes of solving a problem that they'd encounter with their players. Cheating. Cheating at RPGs. Isn't man, that, that fucking is weird? Isn't that hilarious. weird? Like that's the whole winning thing too, right? Yeah. It'd yeah. be great to get to the center of the tomb of horrors and find out where a is buried. And, Defeat the Demi and blah, blah, blah. Spoilers. Um, oh, no. Uh, but anyway, it would be great, but hey, you die, you die, or, or whatever. I just, I, I don't get it. But I think the, for me, every time I've encountered adversarial play, is somebody's trying to win. They're trying to do something for themselves. And they usually are not trying to do it for the good of the group. They're usually trying to do it for their character or just for themselves so that they can come out on top somehow. And I think that it's um the best way to solve it is to address it immediately, and if it doesn't get fixed you just you need to to remove that person from the group. do you agree with that Sean? or yeah yeah no i think
0: you got i think you got to address it The problem is some of us have hard uh, it's a hard it's hard to hard
1: to do sometimes
0: so some of us are just confrontational adverse um adverse confrontational yeah
1: yeah, you just don't like getting Just don't want to do it. Just don't yeah. wanna get especially
0: when you're like hey man, hey Brat, like hey, you know, um Fuck you, Sean. Oh what? oh, okay, I guess uh, nothing. Okay, well never mind. <laughs> that's cool. Especially you, you know, if you don't want if you don't want to watch Stranger Things, that's cool, man. I mean Well when
1: you've played <laughs> When you've got a group of people you played with for ten years, eight years. Wow well, or, or a, or a year, yeah. and you're like, Oh my god. People still get butthurt. They do. People get
0: really cranky they get about hurt. stuff. They get really like oh, they never let that shit go. No, it's they always at one time. Remember that one time uh, we were going through Pharaoh? Oh, you were such a dick. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> do it with a new group or people you don't know, and they're trying to tell the person. I mean, dude, in my job, I've had to tell people that their hygiene isn't that great. Yeah, that's awkward. It's uncomfortable, and it has to be said.
1: Yeah, I've had the uh, the lovely thing on more than one occasion where I've had to deliver year-end reviews for people whose managers... Yep. I- I'm now their manager, and I have no idea what this other person put down. I'm like, wow, I get to go give them this message. This is going to be awesome. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> but I honestly think that adversarial play is almost easier to deal with than game mastering because... and I don't know why, but it feels like it should be anyway. If um, the players have a lot of power there, where if they don't like what's going on, it's not just between... So if the players don't like the adversarial game master approach, they as a group can confront, talk about, help to fix, so on and so forth. As a team. The, The DM is basically... The GM is just another player on that team, right? If that person's not the issue and the adversarial approach is coming from player A on the left-hand side of the table. Everybody on the team and it's not just the GM's job can help to fix that. Like, "Hey man, we talked about this. That's not how we're playing this game." If you you know, and if you really don't like it, at some point it can be just constant reminders, "Hey, hey, hey." And I think sometimes it is uncomfortable, but sometimes you're like, "Look, this is just not what we're going to do. We'll play that game that you want to play next." How about that? No, not good enough. Then you gotta fuck off. You know, perhaps don't tell them to the fuck off, but you can, you can remove people if you need to. Just can't.
0: I can't make it Tuesdays anymore, guys. Um, Brett, change of, sorry. change of schedule. That is the classic. Change, of is a classic. Gotta change the schedule. Change the schedule. Got to change the schedule. Hey,
1: Kevin, are you uh, available Wednesdays? The only time that asshole yeah, Brett can play. It, we're probably we're probably call it a day. Brett's an asshole. The only time he can play is Tuesdays. <laughs> Who's up for Wednesdays? Yeah, <laughs> boom! Eat that, you asshole.
0: Effective. That, that's. I've let me tell it. you, so I've done it. Know. I've done it. I'm not. Brett. Brett doesn't know. I've been playing D and D for the last year without him, and uh, Kevin and J- James.
1: <laughs> oh, that oh, that would make me. That would make me laugh. No, actually. I'm, i would
0: not. It's not happening. That's not the case. Well, no.
1: no now you've got me worried. <laughs> You know, I noticed you turn off well, "Where's My Find My Friends" on your GPS too, so I can't even find you anymore. What's that That's about? That's right. Are you playing I, with another I, group, Sean? Sean, I just don't want to tell be me. Stalked. Just tell me. Just
0: tell me straight, man. No, it's the same group, <laughs> Brett. Just not with you. <laughs> oh,
1: everybody, <laughs> Ouch.
0: Ouch. See, see how you can have these conversations
1: if you just know the person. It helps. <laughs> <laughs> it does help. Yeah, Brett's not butthurt at all. <laughs> if you don't know the guy, the other piece is if you don't know him. I'm, so anyway, I honestly think, as, as cliche as it is, but you've got to say it, once you see somebody, game mastering is difficult because the person's running the game, they put a lot of time into prepping, and they're approaching it in a way that feels adversarial to you, and you're just, ah, oh, I like playing, but there's that thing that Brett's doing is driving me batty. Arg. can be very similar with players... But usually what happens is the adversarial player, in my in my experience, tends to impact not only the game master, but the other players around him. So the game master, Brett's being adversarial, as we talked about, you know, confronting the players, being kind of a dick about it, whatever. And he he's doing this thing, and there's five people at the table, and they're like, ugh, this just is frustrating. They can all approach me. They can all talk. They can change game night, they can change the game, they can wrap it up and say, hey, I've got an idea, we're really bored with D&D, Sean would like to run um, some spy thing, let's do that. Or dump his beer on the floor, depends what he does. No, it's one of my
0: cats <laughs> driving me crazy again.
1: Looked like, it was, looked like you dumped your beer on the cat, that would have been funny. No,
0: he's just being annoying.
1: <sighs> but Sorry. when the, when it's the adversarial player, I really think it's, it's kind of harder in a way, because the game master is like, okay, whatever, I'll just shut Brett up, fine. Sean, I like you. I'll talk to you. Oh, there's Eileen. Thank God Eileen's here. Because I can play with her and, and Ange and Sean. Well, that asshole, I'll just ignore him for a session. So some the confrontation or getting in front of the problem, I think, is the best way to go. So Anyway, we're already running long, dude, and I don't mean to beat this one to death. But I really do think that when you run into it, you've got to call it. and You've got to consistently call it. Look, we talked about it in our, in our session zero. One more reason to do it. We talked about it. You're not supposed to do that. We talked about it. You're not supposed to do it. Dude, I told you three fucking times. We talked about it. You're not supposed to do it. I, you know. And then the the group's got to figure out what they're going to do. Change game night, ask that person to leave, or do something. Or maybe just yeah. once they've had explained to them, like, look, this thing you're doing is pissing us all off. That person may not even know it because no one's ever told them. That's true. And I don't think it happens very often. No,
0: not often. No, it's not very often. Because some all. sometimes those people are probably playing alone, or they're you know they probably aren't in a group, or I don't know. There's just bad personalities are just uh, they,
1: they they happen. They're not bad people necessarily. Or oh, they just don't fit with what you're trying to do. Nothing wrong with
0: right.
1: that. <clears throat> That's right. I mean to go back to our sports ball stuff, right? So I used to be. I'd rather go. I'd rather go into recruiting. Brett, my,
0: my, day, my day job. For example, I have no idea how in the hell many managers hire, because there are plenty that I know hire people that I would never consider. I use a dartboard. Well, see, there you go. At least I know you have a method. Because <laughs> so- there's other clients I'll be like, I don't understand. I don't understand. How did, like, did you interview the person? Did you ask them questions? Did you talk to them at all? How did Did you talk happen- to them? Did you meet them? Cause I I don't understand like how how you qualified them to do your to this job that I've been working on for two months straight.
1: Yeah, I got people working around me that I wonder sometimes how the hell they got that job. Exactly. How the hell did I mean?
0: We all have worked with somebody. Like yeah, absolutely. How the hell did we they all, get? Yeah, how the, the hell it. did they get that job? Oh, they're friends with the boss. They right time. Uh, maybe they butter up to the right person. I don't know. We really no, no, it's a mystery. Something
1: happened. That's right. happened too. Shit, Sometimes maybe deep... it's me.
0: <clears throat> maybe I'm that guy.
1: You, I got... <laughs> you know, Sean. If the rest of the world seems to it can't possibly yes. be the problem,
0: what's the common theme here? Sean? Common denominator.
1: So the other component too. Um, speaking of that, I think we can probably tail off after this piece. But the adversarial player is there a problem that they don't know is there, or is something bugging them? If is the reason that person is acting up, acting out, however you want to describe it, the reason that approach is happening is because they're pissed. Because the Game Master keeps ignoring them. Or every time they give a really good idea, everyone poops them and shuts them up. If every time you as a player were to try to speak, you were to get smacked down one way or the other from the rest of the group, or someone's talking over the top of you, your ideas don't matter, your character's never thought of, uh, they always give the good magic items to the fighter, even though you're the paladin. Um, hey, guess what? I'm getting my ass kicked too. Sometimes it's a reaction to being treated like shit. And people who get treated like shit, especially in a four-hour game session, after the first two hours, they may adopt a slightly snarky attitude about that. So again, ask what's going on, publicly, privately, whatever's the most comfortable way for you. Find out what the deal is. Because if that person sometimes,
0: sometimes it's group think, sometimes it's like the gang. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we, were all, we all know each other and we game all the time. And then the new guy shows up, and then they feel out of place, and then they act in a particular way that seems adversarial to the group or even the game master. But maybe that player's like. Man, I'm just trying to fit in and do my
1: shit. Yeah, it's, I'm different. You haven't played with any other person in 20 years. I, I Graciously, I'm so f- happy that you graciously allowed me to game with you guys, but um, you can't act like I know every in-joke. You can't ignore me. Right. Come on, guys. Throw me a bone here, man. I'm trying. So, yeah, that, that could easily... Not easily, but that could be a part of it, too. So, again, it bears investigating and digging into it because are they doing it as a reaction? Are they doing it because... They're assholes. Are they doing it because that's just how they play, and no one's ever told them different? So it's you've got to you've got to talk about it, I guess. So, all right, man, let's move on. We're way long. Way long. The roll. Yeah, I've got one. Um, I posted this up on Google Plus. Uh, Eight thousand year old uh, heads found on spears inside a Swedish lake. This is one of those things Ooh. that if. Uh, makes me think Shadows of the Demon Lord. It makes me think Call of Cthulhu, Delta Green, any number of things. East-central Sweden workers were demolishing a railway that crossed this uh, river, and they discovered uh, 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 basically about 7,500 years ago there was a shallow, swampy lake hidden uh pile of stones that contained the skeletal remains of at least 10 people and weapons made of stone and antler. Um, bones of bears, deer, boar, badgers, all sorts of stuff. Some human skulls were mounted on stakes as well. Very cool. Cool. From uh, now Obviously, if your head was not on a stake, probably not so cool for you. But from a gaming perspective, story-basing stuff, cool. So link in the show notes, of course. Sean? So
0: my first one. Plastic bubbles from the toy vending machines make great slimes or shields. Thanks to the SheDM on Twitter. She's got a picture of... Uh, yeah, little miniatures, them little stupid things. You get them fake rings in and stuff. Oh my god, that's really use, use the use the top of that thing and put it over your miniature.
1: Oh my god, genius! That is very cool. I've got, I told a buddy of mine who uh, is into wargaming, and anybody who's into wargaming. I don't know if there is a channel out there. I'm sure there probably is already, but he is amazing at finding like household stuff and turning it into modeling material. Right, a lot of those guys are, yeah. The men and women that do it. I'm like, you guys, if you're not, if you don't have a YouTube channel yet on how to take, you know, stuff from your old aquarium and make it into a Warhammer 40k model, dude, put that shit up on YouTube because people will love you for it. Instead of paying sixty to hundred dollars for the Games Workshop whatever, there it costs a buck at the fish at the fish store. There you go. Uh,
0: second one, Sly Flourish, a on Twitter, aka Mike Shea. List some random tables to generate 400,000 unique, fantastic monuments. That's on Twitter. Um, and you can use it. I think he'll let you use it, as long as you don't use it to, to include it in a publication. Because somebody's like, hey, can I use that? And he's like, sure, for what? Your game? Sure. But, you know, don't sell it or put it in another pub. He is, uh, Mike is putting out Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master Kickstarter. So if you like, like Mike puts out, Phenomenal stuff on Twitter about GMing and easier ways to do things and creative ways to do things. But So if you get into the Lazy Dungeon Master Kickstarter, it ends Friday, March 9th, 2018. Um, after that, I don't know if you can get a copy, but
1: uh, he is doing that, which is pretty awesome. Wow, and that thing is funded like crazy, man. Yeah. The $3,500 $3, goal, he's at 45 k yeah. And and bit. his support levels are like 5,000%. Or yeah, rather. it's like 8 bucks or $13 level. I mean, wow. Okay, cool. Yeah. Very neat. Yeah. Then we got some from listeners. Yeah, Sky Slayton pointed out a resource that, we could, that uh, Sean could use, I should say, for his West Marches game, an encounter chart from uh, Blog of Holding. Link in the show notes there. That looked pretty damn cool.
0: Yeah, uh, Fabled Gate to Hell really did kill people. That was, uh, and now we know why, that's by John Platt on Mother Nature Network website, thanks to Goblin's Henchmen. So I think there was elevated CO2 levels. Yes, it the, was a, to, um,
1: uh, I think it was uh, to uh, Pluto, the god of the underworld. And the, depending where you were and where, the, where your body was held, wherever the CO2 was deadly. So yeah, kind of cool. Well, again, not if you died there. Cool from a gaming that's right. perspective. That's right. We are not suggesting that you murder people with CO2. Do something else. It's right. that's, that's right. far too much work. Find something else. Yeah, go do that. Uh, Chris Short pointed out a pretty kick-ass tabletop RPG accessory, the Game Master System by Dogmite. It's Kickstarter will be over on the 27th, but you might be able to buy one after the fact. We were talking a little bit about some goodies on uh, about the Midlands and whatever, and this is a really kind of interesting – it's like a, a – it's all wood, right? These little – um, GM screen die roller box, pretty neat. So take a look at it. And if uh, if you didn't get on it, or you can't, or you can't get afterwards, and you're crafty, eh, it might be a handy thing to look at for some inspiration.
0: And then Avi Wax
1: Waxberg
0: uh, lets us know about vagabonds of Def dyfed dyfed Difed? by Sigilstone Publishing. Uh, Kickstarter now until March 8th, 2018. It's OSR meets Powered by the Apocalypse. Interesting. Um, yeah. It's a, an interesting one to take a look at.
1: The pledge level on that one, there's uh, like 10 bucks. There's one level. It's $10.
0: It, it looks pretty cool.
1: Yeah, it actually um, and does. And That one's, um, at this point... 10 days to go as of the day we're recording this, and he's 49.9 of a $4,000 goal, so he's already there. Neat. Cool stuff, yeah. man.
0: Yeah, so definitely check that out. Thanks, everybody, for writing in. Thanks for sticking with us in the die rolls. Uh, Brett, what are we talking about next week, dude? Next
1: week, we're going to talk about what, when we make worlds. Um, kind of a approach to it. And is the world made for the PCs or not? Kind the high-level topic. I'll break it down a little bit more in the episode itself and uh, we'll get into it more there. Excellent. Well, alright.
0: This has been another episode of Gaming NBS. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm
1: Brett. Good night and good game and all.
0: This episode of Gaming NBS brought to you with the help from the following BSers. Kevin Lovecraft, Joe Swick, Brett's Biggest Fan, Forrest Gary, Mark Anthony Benedetti, Eric Jeppesen, Sean Nicholson, Tim Jensen, Palladian, Remy Bellado, Jason Hobbs, Hobbs, Wayne Humphrey, James Carpio, Pure Mongrel, Lord Tentacle, Corey Johnson, Brandon Barnes, Dan LaValle, C.W. Mellencamp, Lost Sailor, Tom McGowan, Misdirected Mark Productions, Jason, Christopher Gray, Finnolf, Merkel Froelich, Eileen Barnes, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Todd Crapper, Michael Dresher, Wistatic, Alexander Auerbach, Neal Benson, Ron Blessing, Chris Steele, Eric the Hoff Hoffman, Soldiers of Misfortune RPG, Christopher Lang, Curtis Takahashi, Mark Tosaka, Larry Hout, Ray Otis, Ron Bishop, Craig Huber, Xavier G., JV, John Hammersley, Derelict Radio, John Steve, Jared Rasher, Mark Richmond, Thomas Hook, Blake Ryan, Chad Gleman, Skye, Roger Braslett, Evan Harrison Cass, Craig, Howard Bishop, Christian Sexy Voice Serrano, Jim Fitzpatrick, Peter Scannis, The Knights of the Night Crew, Josh Wallace, Corey Welch, Eli Kurtz, Gordon Cranford. Bateri ter ooh, Andy Hall, Corey Wynn, Graham Minert. Yeah. For other ways to support the show, head over to GamingMBS.com forward slash support dash us. Thanks, BSers! This has been a Litterbox Studio production.